Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Well, let's jump right in this morning as I invite you to look at Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. And as we open the scriptures, let's open in prayer. Lord, open your word to us, and open us to your word, by your mercy and to your glory, in the name of Jesus Christ, and together we pray, amen. At verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Well, have you written a thank you note lately? Nervous silence. I don't know what uh, Mama taught you, but Mama taught me to write some thank you notes. Uh, That was always the deal. And and she said, if someone has done something nice for you, you say thank you. But if you have any hope in your heart that it might happen again, you don't just say thank you. You write a note. You write a note. And let me tell you, these days, uh, when someone actually takes printed material, you know, and writes a note, handwritten, and puts it in an envelope and seals it and mails it and all that, wow, that is relational gold. I mean, that, that stands out. And we're meant to be thankful people. This passage is about gratitude. It's about saying thank you. We're meant to be people who don't just receive things all the time and receive and receive and receive and move on. We're meant to be people who stop and and say thanks. Say thanks to God. Say thanks to the people around us. This passage is about gratitude, but it's about a little bit more than that. It's about a little bit more than that. We're in a a series called Great Question, looking at all these questions that Jesus asked in his ministry that reset people's lives. And Jesus asks a critical question this morning, a great question. When he asks, where are the nine? So it's about gratitude, but as we're going to see, it's also about reaching out. It's about what we call evangelism. It's about being a people who are ready to help others take their next step closer to Jesus. And we're going to see just how that plays out. Where are the other nine? Jesus heals ten. Nine go on their way. One turns around and says, thank you. But where are the other nine? 
The ten men suffered leprosy. This was a, a, a skin condition. It was a disease of the skin, bacterial infection causing lesions and nerve damage so severe that you could injure yourself and not know that you had done it. It's, it's something that's curable now, but is still suffered by many in the developing world. But I'm not sure what was worse for these men, the illness or how it forced them to live their lives. You see, because in the ancient world, no cure, no treatment, the only way for them to deal with this was to isolate the sick. So they had to live under certain rules. No speaking to someone downwind. No touching. Wear special clothes to indicate your sickness. Walk on the far side of the road, or if the road's crowded, walk in the ditch of the road. They were even taught to shout out, unclean, unclean, if someone was coming their way who might not know of the illness. They were sick. They were contagious. But can you imagine for a minute the loneliness of isolation that they felt? I would think that for these men, what they wanted more than anything else was simply to get back into to life. They couldn't trade. They couldn't go to work. They couldn't be a part of, of society. They couldn't go to the shops. They couldn't go to church. They couldn't see their family most times. And I think what rested on their heart more than anything else was a longing to get back into things, to just be restored and to be part of it all again. We look back and we cringe at ancient society isolating their sick. But I want you just to pause for a second and ask, how do we handle illness? There are articles out there and studies about how people lose their sense of identity, their personhood, when they go into the hospital and they become a patient. Maybe you've been in that situation. You put on the, the bracelet and you put on the backless uh, robe. Oh, my goodness. The choir's looking at my cowlick on the back of my head, but, but what if this was a backless robe? Think about that. <laughs> See, now you're grateful. It's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but how do, we, how do we deal with illness? You know, we still isolate the sick. We keep them at bay. And people go into the hospital and they say, oh, just five minutes ago I was a person and now I'm a patient. Hmm. Where are the people today that we walk by as though less than human? Jesus Stopped. Verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They did as they were supposed to do. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. But something in them sensed in Jesus a possibility that they didn't sense in everyone passing by. And so from a distance, they call out, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. They cry out for his help. Verse 14, And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Cleansed. If you've got your own, your own Bible, I want you to, to underline that one, cleansed. That's the first step 
in a three-step walk that we're going to take, okay? They were cleansed. Jesus healed ten men with leprosy by his word. What does that tell us about Jesus? A quick word about Jesus. Jesus longs to be with people. He loves people. He loves all people. He doesn't take the high road. He doesn't stay on the highway and burn past these places of brokenness and sickness and pain. No, he takes the low road and he engages in these places of illness. And along the way, he's a healer. He doesn't fix all the systems of the world. He doesn't heal every sick person that there ever was in the history of the world. But along the way, where he is, he stops to contribute. And bit by bit, hour by hour, person by person, he helps. What's he showing us? Jesus is a healer who sees the pain of those around him and responds. And he wants us to be healers too. Jesus inspires us to care for one another, to find healing for our fellow human beings. In two weeks' time, we're going to begin a big fall series that we're calling Humanize Me because Jesus is the human that we are meant to act like. He is fully human. And sometimes we say, well, I can't be like Jesus. I'm only human. That's not it, That's not it at all. Jesus shows us exactly what it means to be fully human. And humanized people can help to humanize Others, we're going to explore that together this fall. But today we see that's what Jesus was all about. Far from the worldly systems of just desserts, far from any kind of sense of of karma where you get what you deserve and and, uh, what goes around comes around and all all that sort of thing, and far from an idea of God as some kind of a, a cosmic, uh, a, a, a cosmic uh, uh, judge smiting those who misbehave. What does Jesus do? He sees the sick and he moves toward them and he helps. He heals. Sickness isn't a burden for anyone to carry on their own. Here at First Pres, we say no one hurts alone. Why? Because we move toward and we carry that burden just as Jesus has shown us. Jesus is a healer. And Jesus' healing words were, go and see the priests. Why? Well, the priests were the gatekeepers. If they said you were well, if they said you were clean, you could re-enter society. You could get at it again. And so if you were suddenly healed of a sickness like leprosy, you would wait a certain period of time, I think it was seven, uh, seven days, and then you would go see the priest and they would check you out and say, oh yeah, things are looking good. And then you'd wait another period of time, you'd come back and see the priests again and they would make sure that nothing has returned. And you'd hop through these hoops until eventually the priest said that magic word, you are, what? Clean. You're clean. And then that's the golden ticket. I mean, that's the golden pass. Ah, I can get back to life. This chapter's over, and now things can be normal again. Jesus said to them, in effect, you're clean. When he said, go to the priests, you're clean. Now go get the process started. Go get certified, because I've made you clean. And when he says that, these ten men, they turn and run. They're running for the priests. They're not going to wander back. They're they're moving. They're excited. And as they go, as they run, the miracle happens. 
They feel it on their skin. They feel it on their bodies. I'm clean. And they are running and running now. Friends, we all get to running. We get locked in on our own personal track of progress where we get running to the next thing, the next thing, the next marker, the next goal, the next meeting, the next pay raise, the next promotion, the next degree, the next, the next, the next. We keep pushing, 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 running, 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 just like these men running for the priests. And we move so fast we hardly look around us. The, the call and the push and the press for upward mobility, friends, it can cause us to stop seeing the people around us, and to neglect the people in our lives, even the people that we love the most, even our families. So in that world, it's jarring. It's, it's remarkable. It stands out. When somebody has the presence of mind to just stop and to look around, and to see those around him or her, and to love them, to notice them, to just stop and give thanks to God, to just stop and see, the fa- see your family. Do you know, friends, that's, that's one of the reasons why uh, we encourage Sabbath at this church, because you actually need to be trained to stop. If you're going to learn how to stop when you're running this hard, you need some training, you need some practice, you need to stop. Take a breath. Worship God. See your friends and your family around you. You need to stop. And when you stop, when you are able to have the presence of mind to step off the Achievatron treadmill, as, uh, as David Brooks calls it, and just stop, well then, sometimes you can even listen and, and you can pray when someone says, you know, I'm having a hard time. Where there's room for someone to say, you know, my mother just got a report from the doctor. She's very sick. My brother has just learned he has cancer. My son is having a hard time. You might have, you might have room now to stop and pray. Jesus stopped. And so did our hero today. Watch what happens. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. What does that have to do with anything? Well, Samaritans, they were the outsiders. They were the other than. They were the different people. They were the last ones that, that, that Jesus and his followers would expect to honor God in the right and traditional manner. They were the last ones. So not only was he different and separated by illness, but he was different and separated from others by birth, by culture, by region, by address, by religious belief, by accent, by the kind of sandwich that came out of his lunchbox at noon. Like, you eat that? How do you eat that? I don't know how you eat that. We don't eat that. See, he was different in in every way. But it was the Samaritan. This is the one who stops and turns And gives thanks to Jesus. Okay. I said clean was the first step. Does anybody want to guess what the second step is? In verse 15, one of them, 
when he saw he was what? Healed. Healed. Underline that. Healed, you see, is a little more than clean. Healed is a little deeper than clean. And when did he feel that he was healed? Well, it was when he stopped and and he looked at himself. And with a little bit of mindfulness, with a little bit of self-reflection, he started to see there's something happening in my life. Something's changing in my life. And he realized that he had been healed. He realized it. Looking at himself, he realized what was happening to himself. He saw that he was healed. And what's his reaction to this realization? His reaction is to hit his knees before Jesus. Verse 19. And then he said to him, rise and go, because a third thing is going to happen now. Rise and go. Your faith has made you, say it together, well. Well, friends, now this, this we're hitting a rich word in the scriptures. Underline well. It comes from a verb that means to save. And so you could translate this, your faith has saved you or, or your faith has made you whole. Your faith has changed your life. Everything is different now. Because you have gone through this, And do you see what happened? Something further and richer has happened because this man returned and gave thanks and praise to Jesus. He didn't just get clean and go on his way. He didn't just realize that he was healed and say, hey, that's, that's great for me, and off he goes. No, he gets clean and he realized he's healed and he comes to himself and he stops. And he turns and he gives thanks and praise to God. He returns to Jesus. And it's not a a little thing. It's not a thank you note. Look what he does. He returned to Jesus and he hit his knees. He threw himself down on the ground. He shouted out with joy and praise. And he gave back to God the only thing he had to give, which was his thanksgiving, which was his Songs of praise. He gave back to God the only thing that he had to offer, which was worship. I worship you, Jesus. I give you thanks and praise. And when that circle is closed, that is when this man is saved. The definition of the state of his soul from that moment forward is saved. Saved. You see, we are meant to return thanks and praise to God. We're meant to do it. We're made to do it. It's who we were created to be. And when we don't, when we fail to give thanks and praise to God for his blessings in our lives, we are cut short. We miss out. It's not God who misses out. God doesn't need our thanks. He doesn't need his ego stroked. Jesus didn't do what he did to get a thank you note or a gift card in the mail. God is who God is. It's us who need to give him thanks and praise. And when we fail to do it, you and I, we, we're stopped short. We're cut short of the fullness of life. We need it. And when we return thanks and praise to God, well, what happens? We set our hearts right with God again. God is God once more. And we are his children. We are the sheep of his pasture. We're the people under his care. And we start to see ourselves as who we truly are. And we begin to be whole again as we live 
lives with our hearts lifted up with gratitude to God in thanksgiving. Our very lives give glory to God because we've learned to stop and give thanks and praise. And we catch a whiff of of how that, that gives purpose to our lives. Not glorying in self, but glorying in God. All of a sudden, my life means something else. It means something more. All of a sudden, I am becoming whole. So we're meant to give thanks. But we skipped the great question, didn't we? Verse 17. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give thanks to God except this foreigner? Didn't I do ten? There's only one here. Is Jesus a little put out? Is that what's going on? Maybe. Maybe. You know, it's a lot to do. Coming from heaven, (laughs) you know, putting on flesh, uh, walking around these dusty streets and, and coming into all these problems and mustering up the power of God to heal ten men of leprosy. That's not nothing, folks. And no thank you card, no nothing. Not a little something, just a bit, you know, for the effort. Is that what's going on in Jesus' mind? Maybe a little bit. But you know, I think there's something else going on too. I think Jesus has a continuing concern for the nine. We're not ten blessed? Where are they? Great question. Where are the nine? What has happened in their lives? You see, of the three things that happened to our hero, the Samaritan... The nine have only experienced one of them. They were cleansed. They were cleansed, but have they been made healed? Have they realized that they're healed? Have they been made whole by returning thanks and praise to God? They were cleansed, but they don't know what God is doing in their life, and they don't know how to give God thanks and praise. And so they haven't been made whole. They haven't been made saved. And so Jesus says, well, where are the nine? Because they're out there somewhere, and they have not yet returned to close the loop. And this wasn't meant to be a one-time deal where I locked you in to a successful life. This was meant to be the beginning of a relationship where you would know me as your Savior, where you would know me as your Lord, where you would know that I have the power to make your life all that it was meant to be. This was meant to be the beginning of a relationship that we call eternal life, that we call salvation. So he asks the disciples and he asks the Samaritan, hey, where are the other nine? And when he asks them that, he is sending them out. He is sending that Samaritan out to his friends to issue this invitation, come back and give thanks to God. Friends, blessings happen in groups. You've been part of one. You know, uh, dad's sick, dad needs surgery. The family gathers. It's all happening so quickly. Some people make phone calls. Some people, um, you know, some people uh, pray. Some people drink. Some people do all these different things, right? And then he makes it through the surgery. 
He's going to be okay. Well, that blessing isn't just for him. That's for everybody in that circle. And how many in the circle return thanks and praise to God? One in ten? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Now, if only there was some place to invite them. How many of the people around you are among the nine? They've been blessed. They've had God's blessing in their life, but they've never learned how to return thanks and praise to God. They've never closed that loop and begun that relationship. You see, if only there was some, some, some place, some event, some regular gathering that we could invite them to. Are you following me at all? If only we could find, if I could think of it, uh, something, you know, where we could say, hey, uh, have you ever thought about returning thanks and praise to God? I wonder where we could go to do that, you know? Where, where could we figure out, is there a rally somewhere? Jim, do you know of anything at all? Uh, well, he probably has an idea. You see, folks, we've got this church right here. And there's so many great things that happen in church that sometimes we get confused or we, we neglect the primary thing. This is a place. This is an opportunity to return thanks and praise to God. And we just gather each week and we close the loop and we say, God, you're God, I'm not. And thank you for your blessings. Thank you, I praise you. And just like the Samaritan man, we come with passion. We come and we throw ourselves down on the floor with loud voices and and loud music and and loud singing and we just want to praise Jesus. And, And all these other wonderful things happen when we worship well. We're united, we feel a family type bond. We begin to sit as a family together, caring for one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another, bearing one another's burdens, making a difference in the world together as one body. All these beautiful, wonderful things happen, but they are all secondary. We've come to worship God. We've come to give Him thanks and praise because it's right. Where are the other nine? Friends, They're in a desperate situation. They've been healed. They've been blessed by God. But they haven't. They haven't been saved. They haven't returned God's blessing in thanks and praise. They're not in a relationship with God at all. And they need to come and give thanks. We're about to share communion at this table Every time we go into communion, almost every time we say these same words that that have been recited uh, from time immemorial, so early in the church, nobody can remember when it started. We say these words. We say, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. How many times in the course of your week do you get to do something that is purely and absolutely and unquestionably right. It is right to give him thanks and praise. But what about the other nine? You know, the secret of sharing the gospel with those around us is to remember that God's already at work in their lives. He's he's after them, and he has showered blessings on them. And sometimes the conversation is as simple as, do you remember when God was was good to you? 
Did you ever have a chance to say thank you to God? You say, I've got this place. I go, I go on Sunday mornings. It's in, the how to, it's in the heart of downtown. It's a simple house of God. And each week we gather. And, and if you want, you could come. You could come. And you could give thanks and praise to God. No expectations. Just come. And you give your thanks and praise to God. And maybe, maybe close that loop and maybe start that relationship that is eternal life. Where are the other nine? Surrounding you are nine or 10 or 12 or 100 people who have received in one measure or other the loving grace of God, the common grace, his blessings showered out on them in the beauty of the morning or the beauty of creation or, or, or making it through a difficult chapter. Where are they? Would you be the ones to go and issue the invitation? Say, come back. Come back. Give thanks and praise to the Lord our God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you again. What a great question. Where are the nine? How stuck they are, Lord, not knowing how to make their way back to your presence and hit their knees and give you thanks and praise. How stuck they are, not knowing how to close that loop and find the life that is truly life. Lord, help us to reach out and to extend that invitation to share in your heart for them and to see them come home. It's in your holy name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.